Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 14 for April the 20th, 2017. On this week's episode, we got some exciting news we're going to get into about Guardians of the Galaxy, a new Star Wars trailer, and fate of the Furious tearing it up at the box office. In our second segment, we're going to review our Thursday night movie, Free Fire. And then we have a surprise segment, number three, and Adam has some exciting news and a preview of some cool stuff to come. And then, of course, we've got our movie homework. You're listening to The Film Coterie. What's up, guys? I'm sure Matt already has his response prepared for us, but The Fate of the Furious had a monster global weekend, new number one of all time. (laughs) The hesitant pause. I'm just trying to think of how harsh I should be. Um, there are a lot of dumb people in this world. I've come to realize. I've got my finger on the volume control. <laughs> He's staying cool. He's staying cool and calm. Domestically, it hasn't run away with anything. No, no, it hasn't. Uh, other movies that have come out this year may end up beating it, such as Logan. Uh, which Logan, if you're thinking about seeing Fate of the Furious, go see Logan. <laughs> Actually, if you're thinking about seeing Fate of the Furious, go see any other movie. Probably, it it I think it has to be better. Um, but I mean, is that just a case of China going ooh an American movie, or is it really? Because you mentioned that they only get what twenty four a year. It's my understanding China gives twenty allotments a year to foreign movies. Um, the calendar runs January to December. So usually our movies that come out October through December have to wait till the next year because all the allotments are gone. That's why Star Wars will open in January over there because the 20 allotments have been used up. Yeah, it makes sense. So that's the biggest difference. Um, Force Awakens had $62 million, I think, opening in China. So if you had stacked that on their normal opening week in the rest of the world, they were over Fast and the Furious by about $50 million. Well, I know China has a growing... Um, cinema industry going on, right? And my only hope is they do not look at this and view this as something to emulate in what they're doing because it's trash. Garbage. Something to point out that might give you hope is that this movie made $47 million less in the U.S. than the last part. That's a drop of almost a third in opening box office. Well, that is 4.7 million people that are now smarter. A lot of people may attribute it to maybe a Paul Walker bump for the last one. There's some morbid curiosity about what they're going to do with the character since he had died before filming it completed. Then those 4.7 million people are gross. (laughs) That's averaging $10 a ticket. So I don't know exactly if it's 4.7 million, but that seems like a good number. I'll keep throwing it around as if it were a fact. Well, you, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious. You said that they only let in around 20 films a year mm-hmm. into China, but it's you said, and then we say that their film industry is growing and booming. And are we getting anything out of China? Is anything? Yeah, coming, I mean, know? AMC theaters carry Chinese uh, movies. That, if you go yeah. every week, there's usually a Chinese movie there. I, I thought so. It's just that's kind of crazy, you know. Um, maybe they might that might bump up. Well, you guys had a Chinese movie. You went and saw the wall. Oh. It's technically correct. That's Legendary East. Yes. yes Legendary that, no, East. Yes, right. Yeah. Chinese movie house. It, and it was available at our theater in Mandarin if you wanted to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I probably would have enjoyed it more <laughs> if it was in Mandarin. I think I would have enjoyed Fate of the Furies more if it was in Mandarin. <laughs> I already mentioned Star Wars, so I'll swing back to this topic. We now have a trailer for The Last Jedi. Yeah. What'd you think of the trailer? It's a teaser. I'm not going to call it a trailer. Well, okay. I'm not, I don't know if I should say anything. I'm going to get myself in trouble. No, nope, that's what it's for. Spit listen, it up. Listen, you can... <laughs> There, you cannot say anything worse than I've ever said against the fate of the Furious. <clears throat> okay, and so it's a monster. So, so don't get me wrong. I love Star Wars. I love the property. It's my childhood. It's probably if I was going to do a most impactful movie moment in my entire life growing up, it was you know a scene from Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars nut. Love those movies, but I gotta say. I'm starting to get a little bit anxious about what Disney is going to do with the Star Wars property going forward. Um, I thought Episode Seven, even though I liked it and it was good, had a good story, it really was. It was not a new story. It was just a retelling of an already good story, or maybe an improvement on a good story. I don't know. Um, and then you know, Rogue One comes out, and it's enjoyable. It's a good film. I, I I enjoyed it. I liked it. But it's literally just a prequel to Episode, you know, four. Four. I I started thinking, am I doing spoilers on here? Or what? You know. Well, I mean, that is what yeah. it is. You know. I mean, it. But I guess the, the Star Wars guy in me wants new content. I want a new story. I need. I want to break free from this. The, the, I always want something different. I want, I don't know. I well, just, I mean, let's really be honest here, though, Roger. You have a soft spot in your heart for, like, you know, a new hope, right? Right. But that tale is as old as time. Yeah, I, I get it. I, you know? Return of the Jedi, old as time. I know. I mean, literally, Star Wars <laughs> is fantasy told in sci fi. And those type of stories have been around. Forever. Yeah, it, it always has the reluctant hero or the dragged into it hero, and the 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 tutor of that hero must go move off the scene or die at some point. I, I mean, mean, Luke it, is King Arthur. Yeah, yeah. In New I, Hope. Yeah. I mean, he has a sword, Excalibur, and he has a crazy old wizard, Merlin, named Obi Wan Kenobi. I, I mean, these stories have been around. I know forever, and I love those stories. But I guess I'm just thinking, okay, are we going to get? I walked away from the little teeny teaser thinking, are we going to get Empire Strikes Back in the second movie? That's the concern a lot of people have because we're already seeing in just this teaser a lot of common elements. Rey's doing her training with Luke instead of Luke training with Yoda. Hmm. And the okay. scene in the trailer where those ships are racing across the desert and kicking up that crimson red dust, they're going towards First Order walkers. There's literally a walker invasion of a rebel base in this movie. And well. that's been confirmed, so... If we see Poe going into Carbonite. I'm telling you one thing. I know. I'll, I'll probably enjoy it for his... I love you. I know. Poe and Finn. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, I got to point know. out, when you and see the toys coming, when the, when the toys are coming out, Finn is literally wearing Poe's complete outfit now, including that tunicky shirt underneath the jacket that Poe is wearing. Maybe it'll start. end up being like some kind of weird single white female type thing. Or maybe <laughs> they're secretly brother and sister. Poe and Finn, maybe. <laughs> well, there's a new angle. <laughs> sorry. But they introduce another new character who's playing a technician maintenance worker, Rose. And she was always rumored to be the love interest for Finn going forward. They go on their own side mission in the new movie is the rumor. Oh, because so. Poe's too good for Finn. I just want to point that out. Yeah. 
So here it is. Fingers crossed. The teaser's fine. I'm glad they're not revealing everything. It was just enough to give you a little bit of a taste. I just hope it's not going to be circling oh, they revealed back. everything. The Jedi must end. Yep. Luke has a line at the end that the Jedi must end. But I just hope we're not doing a carbon copy of Empire Strikes Back. Well, and maybe... I, I'm, I, I can't believe I can't pull up episode uh, eight on IMDb. Who's the director for the name? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. So every, all the buzz I hear is this guy's a genius. He's awesome. He, he, he takes risk. He's not afraid to go for it. Okay. So that gives me some hope with this, with this next movie, you know. And, uh, the, you know, they showed the little emblem of the Gray Jedi. If you've read the books, I, I did not know this, but I, I'm, I have a brother that's a Star Wars fanatic that's read every book every comic book everything has to do with star wars he, and he's like oh did you see the gray jedi this is gonna be awesome you know and so you know i guess somewhere in the mythology luke becomes the first gray jedi or new order of jedis where they both embrace the dark and the light side of the force well, equally. technically he wouldn't be a jedi then would he no well he would not technically be well a jedi. and in the conical universe there's already gray characters yeah rebels with Hera, not Hera. Um, I'm saying, I'm saying, gray force users. Oh, see, I didn't know that. We, Bendu. Oh well, yeah, Bendu and Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka's probably now a gray force user. Yeah. So I don't know. That's all from Rebels. If you're not familiar, yeah. the the cartoon on the Disney XD channel, which is canon, and it is canon. They're introducing some important stuff on there. And the characters were in Rogue One. Yeah, the Ghost and Chopper are seen in there. Ghost and Chopper, and they make the announcement that General Syndulla. Mm-hmm. Wow, cool. I need to watch the Rebels, man. Yeah, you yeah, do. It's good. Oh. It's good. Yeah, everything, but it, they put it on the little kids channel, like the 7 and Under or something, didn't they? I, I, so I just thought, well, it's a kiddie show, you know, but I guess this, I guess this kids show can be good. I guess, I mean, you know. No, I mean, people die. Like, it's not... I mean, it's on the Disney older, like, teen channel. XT, it didn't start there, though, did it? Yeah, it's always been on Disney XT. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So, Guillermo del Toro, who we'll be talking about later in our film homework, has a new movie coming out called The Shape of Water. Uh, all we know about it is it's set during the Cold War. It involves a aquatic creature man, played by Doug Jones, and is some kind of supernatural love story. This might be his take on the creature from Black Lagoon. Not saying it's going to be that creature, sure. but something yeah. in that vein. Well, as soon as you said Cold War, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a nut for that genre. I love, I grew up in the Cold War, you know, and I've read a lot of books about the Cold War, fictional books and, 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 and non-fictional books, and I love the Cold War. I love the Soviet Union versus the United States and that whole drama and all of that and spies and counter spies and double spies and all that. And so I'm in, I'm going to go see it. Absolutely. And they're dropping it on December 6th. They're dropping it right in award season. I mean, that's a bold move for this type of movie because audiences are typically going to go see the award contenders at that point. So who knows? I mean, they're, they're fairly confident in it. Yep. Uh, And we'll finish on a bunch of guardians of the galaxy news. It's coming out in two weeks. It had its premiere in Hollywood last night. Critics have started to see it. The buzz is good. Oh, cool. Everyone seems to really like it. They're debating it. looks if it's fun. I, yeah, better looks, than the first. Yeah. It's up there with the first. Everyone seems to agree. And James Gunn is coming back to do part three. He's writing and directing it. I knew he couldn't give him up. That is a no-brainer, really. I mean, think about it. He's going to give up, you know, 
No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, they're his characters. He's really carried the load on this series, so I'm glad to see him come back and finish the trilogy. The movie is going to have five stingers after the credits. What? Stay in your seats. You're going to see five post-credit scenes. At what point is that that overkill? I think that's the point, because his is the only Marvel movie (laughs) whose stinger didn't connect to another movie. He did Howard the Duck as a joke. Oh, okay. Everyone else kind of connects to the bigger universe. James Gunn just had fun with a stinger. So now I think he's having fun because some of the movies have started to have two or three. So I think he's just having fun with it and going, <laughs> why not five? Oh, that's funny. But it makes for entertaining credits because they're going to be spaced between everything. Cool. And I think we got confirmation Adam Warlock is going to be in part three. Oh, is it Adam Warlock, him, or Megas? Adam Warlock is what people are saying. Right, but that's all the same person, yeah. just different embodiments. So he's going to be a good guy in this. Yes. Not the bad guy, Megas. No. And Because he the... was going to be with the crew. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you can kind of see his cocoon in the first movie, if you didn't notice. If you're a comic book nut, the collector in his collection has a giant man-sized cocoon that everyone kind of figured was Adam Warlock. And it just came out that James Gunn had him in the sequel and cut him out. Too many characters. So they never filmed it. It was in the pre-production phase. But all the stuff they wrote are going to be used in part three. Nice. I like it. So that's what I got for the news this week. So we're literally going to have Space Jesus. Well, DC is Superman. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, they literally created Adam Warlock to be Jesus. Yeah. All right. Cool. (laughs) I mean, every series has that. Yes, I know. The so, so I don't know who Adam Warlock is, so he must have superpowers and be invincible and super awesome. Well, no, he was created because the guy was a huge fan of Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> and wanted to draw parallels disco from the Christ, the Christ figure. So it's real campy and disco-y 70-ish, that character? Well, I mean, he originally started in the 60s, though, but okay. that's how they kind of evolved him. That's wild. I mean, I listen, I'm just going off research. I, I said, let's just bring in Dr. Strange and just bring back the 70s, baby. Full blown. <laughs> They're definitely on their 80s kick right now between this and Thor Ragnarok. I, I got it. So. Yeah, absolutely. We will be celebrating Guardians in two weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing this. Yes, it's I am too. Top picks for the summer. No, I'm I'm super pumped. Especially so I can wash the bad taste of recent movies out of my mouth. We're making it through April. April's actually the roughest month yet. I, well, I, w- I mentioned that at dinner before the movie. I said, I hope we get an improvement on the movies we've seen because I can't come up with a top ten list so far, you know? Well, like I said, this, in my opinion, has been a very good first start to the year. For the first four months, we're doing all right. April, by far, is the worst <laughs> month. But there's good stuff out there if you know what to look for, like Colossal. Well, May turns the corner, right? I mean, May yeah, is May gonna- the start of the summer. And there's some good stuff coming. Yeah. Hopefully Alien Covenant's good. But April's been a rough ride. March was entertaining. So Now, do we know? I, I know what, we probably covered this already, Adam. But Alien Covenant, is it sci-fi or is it horror? It's horror sci-fi. It's both. It's going to be both, you yep. think? Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. I think that wraps it up for our news and notes.
welcome back uh, to the Film Coterie Podcast. And as usual, we have seen a movie this evening and we get to talk about it. Yes. You'll notice my voice is already chipper than it was last week. Last week I was fuming. This week I am not. Uh, this week we had the pleasure of going to see Free Fire, a movie written and directed by Ben Wheatley, uh, also written by Amy Jones. I don't have it in front of me. I'm winging it at oh. this point. So that sounds right in my head. Yeah, yeah Amy, Amy Jump. Jump. I yeah, was Amy right. Jump, you're right. Um, Martin Scorsese, a producer on this thing, kind of caught my eye as the uh, opening credits were coming on. Um, so who did I start with last week? Me. Oh, Roger. Well, I think I'm going to be in a minority. I like this movie. Is this your first Ben Wheatley movie? Let's start this there. This is my very first Ben Wheatley movie. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I think I was just ready for this kind of movie. I'm a bit, after the movies we've been watching, I was just ready for like people that look different. I mean, it's set in, it's set in Boston, 1978. And, and, and the premise behind the movie, without giving anything away, is... A gun deal in a warehouse that is going to go wrong, right? And so well, you just gave away the whole movie. But that, but but that's but that's the that's the, in the trailer. You see that they're shooting gunfight in the that warehouse. Was, that was just a joke. Anyone that oh. knows Ben Wheatley knows <laughs> okay. literally that's the movie. Yeah, I don't know that you can spoil a Ben Wheatley movie. Yeah, you really can. Okay, so yeah. so, um, and I was just ready for this kind of movie. First of all, I was just really blown away by the opening scenes with the wet. It kind of made me feel like that 60s crime, kind of almost black and white. It was just shot really cool outside of the, um, the warehouse. Outside of the warehouse. I just loved the way that movie was shot and the way the characters dressed and looked. And it was Boston, and, you know, and it was 1978 and they all had beards or goatees. And I just. You have the IRA coming to buy weapons. Yes, from. you know. And so, and so I'm just digging this movie from the very beginning, right? And I needed just one of those. What the heck goes wrong? You know, I, I just kept I just kept laughing through this whole movie, um, and and it was like almost kind of like what not like Tarantino level like weirdness, you know, but it was or like awkward realistic stuff, you know. But it was like, yeah, if you know, bullets start flying and ricocheting, everybody's getting nicked, and so now they all have to you know do crawl around or whatever, you know. So I I don't know, I just really. It just hit the right buttons for me, and uh, and I enjoyed it all the way through. I know that um, uh, some of us were talking after the right immediately afterward about maybe a lull in the middle of the movie, but uh, it didn't bother me at all. It gave me time to catch my breath and kind of you know continue on, and I did. I really I enjoyed the movie a lot, absolutely, and I enjoyed it right to, uh, right up to the end and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, even the the one kind of gruesome scene that uh, we one of us had referred to after the movie, uh, where somebody dies, I I just enjoyed that. Even enjoyed that scene. So, yeah, I, so I know I'm in the minority, but I've never seen a Ben Wheatley movie before, and I think this movie just you ever have those times you go to the theater, and you just the it made by far is this this is not a perfect movie. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you could point and pick at and say, oh, this is wrong and this is ridiculous and this was too slow. I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any measure, but it just caught me at the right time when I needed this kind of movie, this kind of 
you know, Aussies versus the Irish versus, you know, the Americans versus, the, you know, I mean, so anyway, the cast of characters I liked, enjoyed. So, yeah, I liked the movie. All right. Adam? If you're familiar with Ben Wheatley at all, this this kind of feels like old hat. Um, I told Matt walking out that this was not that dissimilar from a field in England. Um, and it wasn't just the one location. It was just kind of the absurdity that takes hold and it and again just feels like everything amounts to nothing there's a certain level of nihilism in all of ben wheatley's movies i can see more clearly now than ever between high rise and this and sightseers it's kind of like maybe life's a big joke and you know there's really nothing there i think he's doing absurdism to prove his point i hope you're right and do you see a nihilism streak in his stuff i mean i do but i hope i hope there's that much thought in it like, I, I, I don't know. So, but you're right. This movie reminds me a lot of A Field in England. I will say I prefer A Field in England to this movie. <coughs> because there came a point in this movie where literally I did not care. Yeah. Like, I don't care who gets shot again. I don't care who dies. I don't care who comes out on top. I kind of just want this to be over. Because... There's a gunfight. At the beginning, people have aim. And at the end, there's just bullets flying. They turn into stormtroopers. They definitely turn into stormtroopers. Somehow, a- everyone's carrying like 100 rounds of ammo. Yeah. Because to his credit, the guns don't have infinite bullets. There's definite... I counted one time. A guy had a six-shooter. He saw, shot six times and had to reload. But yet, somehow, just pulled out six more bullets. Oh, yeah. Half a dozen, a dozen more times in the movie. I, I don't, you know. I, I guess for me, I think you have to give the movie some liberty. No, you do. You know you what I'm do. saying? Because you have to fill 90 minutes of a movie. You know what I'm saying? You have to give it some. And I, But I totally get your, I, I hear your point completely. I guess maybe the absurdity of it is just kind of what I needed. I was in, I needed that kind of a movie. It's, it's weird. I didn't care about these characters from the very beginning. Yep. I I had no emotional attachment. I was just waiting to see who was going to bite it first, you know, who all was going to die, who all was going to live. But I had no skin in the game, uh, you know. The, I, I found a scene where there's a resurrection in the middle, toward the middle of the scene, I, I, and I found that very funny myself. No, I I did. I I found more humor in this than most of his movies. But in talking about him before, I say a lot of Ben Wheatley projects seem like they're built on bad bones. There's not much to the script. It doesn't feel like they spend any time in pre-production. It, it sort of feels like they're winging it when you're watching the end product. Yeah. There seemed like there might have been a lot of improv here, especially from Charlotte Copley. Um, a lot of the jokes didn't work for him. He feels like a cartoon character in this realistic world. He was the weakest part of the yeah. whole movie. And I think just he's supposed to be honestly. the linchpin for the comedy, and yeah. it didn't work. I'm just watching Vern, baby. Watching Vern. A lot of bad puns. and like A lot of bad puns. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of his performance feels like improv that was kind of falling a little bit flat. He plays a character named Vern. Vernon. Vern. And anytime he could use the word Vern in something, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. He replaces it. Watching Vern. But I appreciate the attempt at comedy. The quips in there. But I got to be honest, a lot of times it wasn't funny. It was just mean. Yeah. Like, it wasn't humorous to me. It was just angry. 
So here's what the movie misplaced or mistimed or something. This is a great idea for a movie. You know, I'm surprised it's not been done more. He had a great setup. Good reason for these guys to come to the blows. That was all handled well. But what his movies always miss are some sort of rising stake, some sort of twist, some sort of character development. No, I agree. It's just once it starts, you know, it goes to the end and yep. you're pretty much where you started. Well, he tried to introduce a third element, a third character to this to this play, you, I mean, to this yeah. movie, you know, and uh, it, it never worked. Well, and the timing is off. I want to bring that up because okay. this is a movie we're going to get an extended shootout. You know that from the trailer. It's 90 yeah. minutes. The shootout's most of the movie. Uh, the spacing is off. Because right when it opens up, everyone's hitting everybody. Lots of bullets are flying. These people are crawling on the ground for the majority of the movie. And then you have this lull that we were going to talk about for, feels like an hour. It's probably like 40 minutes where no one hits anything again. Shots are flying. You're not really worried about any character safety where you were at the beginning. Right. And the... The new elements that get introduced to the movie all happen right up front. They're not spaced out where they might, when you hit a lull, introduce a new element. They're too early with other shooters showing up, other things happening. And it's just, it's spaced out poorly where you could have driven the story a little bit more that way. And looking back on it, there is some serious foreshadowing going on, right? I don't want to give away too much, but the comment is made that, oh, don't worry, the guy was shot. He's like, am I going to die? He's like, don't worry. You have an hour and a half. Yeah. It's, it's the law. He says it's the law. I think it's a rule or something like that, that you have an hour and a half to live. And we had that. And you had, <laughs> and the movie was like an hour and a half. And I thought it was turning into funny games. I wonder if kinda. anyone's compared this to funny games, actually. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to, at the end of this, you know, see what Wheatley has to say about the movie, what he was trying to get across. Is it a, a comment on gun violence in movies? Is it, you know, is it a comment on this kind of genre shootout type movie? And he just took it to the extreme. But, you know, there's at some point we went uh, in a group of four tonight. And one person said, you know, I just kind of forgot who was on whose side. And, the people in the movie forgot yeah. or they who were side, confused whose who side, side they were on. Yeah, whose side they were on. And that was something I missed out. I think they missed out on, too, is they could have people swapping sides and some more humor about that, you know, negotiating tactics. Well, there, they, were yeah. some, there were some perfect times because yeah. people got caught in crossfire. People shot people on the same side, and there could have been a nice flip-flop. And, and it's not clear. You have the two groups, the buyers and sellers, but there's brokers and some other characters that don't have clear loyalties. So right. there's more room for them to flip-flop yeah. if they needed to. Well, and, and I think the question that might plague me for a little while is I absolutely can see all the faults you find in this movie, and I recognize them. Yet for some weird reason, this movie worked for me. I can't figure that out, why I enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed the movie. It could have just been just what I, I don't know, I mean, what I needed to see on, on, on yeah. this night tonight, you know? Another nitpick I had, and I think you'll see this if you watch it again. Not that I, I really want to watch it again, but... The geography in this movie is really poor for knowing where the characters are, what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. Compared to something like Mad Max Fury Road, which a lot of people have praised as having some of the best action geography of all time, where it's very clear what's going on and know where the characters are going. You have people crawling off. Like It was kind of confusing near the end when they're going for a phone. 
and you thought she's I got upstairs, compl- downstairs. I got completely lost. And then there's they're shooting through doors. You're not in a once there's shoot. T- there's two people there, and then all of a sudden there's three or four. And you're people not sure there. who they're shooting at. Yeah. It's just all jumbled. It's the editing there that I think really hurt it. Yeah, no, I agree. I I remember one distinctive point where um, there was shooting through a wall, and they cut almost like they cut to a whole nother scene and then cut right back. And I was like, hold on. Are we trying to say that one of the person that was following the other guy followed the wrong person and now they're shooting there and this other person's free to do whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's going to be good. And then I realized it wasn't that Yeah, it was just weird editing. Yeah. The editing hurts this movie in the late part of the shootout. Cause it's really not clear where anyone is or who they're shooting at. And there's some, ambiguity about upstairs downstairs too that's kind of strange well and there's really weird points in the movie where the two opposing sides have a clear view of the other yeah. and just don't shoot yeah they just kind of look like I, I see you i could shoot you but i'm not going to but yet as soon as i have to move and have i can't see you then i'm going to shoot away which is really strange the closest movie i can compare this to is shoot 'em up with Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti. Oh, but I I, I I like that movie. I like that movie too. And that and it's way over the top. They're doing like honest to god Looney Tunes in that movie. That's a point. They He's are. eating carrots the whole time. He's Bugs Bunny. Oh, absolutely. He's Bugs Bunny. But I think Shoot 'em Up's a un- underrated title. I would rather see Shoot 'em I would rather watch Shoot 'em Up again than go see this movie again. So, this is my fourth Ben Wheatley movie. Okay. My third. And uh I haven't liked anything the guy does, but what what's strange to me is his next movie is a 50s era cop movie where they're fighting demons. He said he was inspired by playing Doom. I'm in. I'm going to go see his movie next week. So, <laughs> yeah, despite the fact that I haven't really enjoyed any of his previous work, I'm still very interested in what he's doing. So, sure. I mean, he hasn't turned me away. I'm going to be in the theater seat when that comes out. Well, I think here's the deal. His movies have this subtle feel. There's something subtle going on, right? And whenever this thing completely clicks in with him, yeah, it is going to be superb. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's close to something. But yeah, he is. It, it's it's. I, I and I, I kind of alluded to. I think Matt's exactly right. I alluded to this a little bit earlier in the podcast. I said it's almost like he has the wheel, those wheels turning like a Tarantino. Like here's all these crazy, different, absurd characters. I'm going to throw them into this crazy hapless situation, but he just don't know how he, he just doesn't have the, it hasn't clicked fully for him to pull it off. But you know what? When his next movie comes out, I'm probably going to, I'm going to be in the theater to watch it. You know? Yeah. yeah I'm in the same boat. And now, I, now, now, now what about like acting performances in general? Um, in Enzo and Sam Sam Riley and and Michael some of these this guys, is a good cast you know uh, Brie Larson doesn't have much to do you know I thought she might have more from the previews she seemed pretty token character to me I'm gonna be she's honest. yeah there's nothing for her there and that's not the actress's fault but the standouts to me were Army Hammer as the dealer or broker and Cillian Murphy as kind of the young head of the IRA with his father and his brother and some of the other cousins or whatever yeah no this was I really liked Army Hammer in this. Um, Cillian Murphy was good in this. I mean, those are the two that as soon as I came out of the theater, I was like, mm, they did a really good job. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, well, now we have to put it to a vote. So, Roger. Thumbs up. Yes, I would recommend it. I'm um, a no. 
And I'm a no too. I'm a no with a caveat. Go see it. Well, then but, how, how but, can you be a no if you're going to tell them to go see it? Well, because here's the caveat. Go see it. You're not going to like it. So you still, you're still recommending it. He has a reservation. But it's not. No. We have to say. How can you say go see it? Okay. Here's, here's what Either I would Either you're say. recommending it or not. Yes or no. You guys got on me like three weeks ago about this. I mean, no. Okay. Then don't go see it. <laughs> but go see it. But you won't like it. Uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. That's not a cake and eat yes, it. Yes, it is. All right, don't go see it. Don't yeah, go see I mean, any Ben Wheatley film then. <laughs> so far. Don't so see far. any of the existing ones. But Yeah, we'll all be in the theater. Come the next one. <laughs> High Rises on Netflix. You can stream it for free if you have Netflix. <laughs> so I mean I uh, I can't recommend it. You know, I I want my recommend recommendations to carry weight for people. So usually it's a special movie that, you know, I love and I'm really behind it. I'm not saying it's the greatest of all time, but yep. this is not it for me. That's why sure. I can't recommend it. Yeah. Awesome. No, but I think he's I think he's close. And, you know, it may just be too smart for me and I'm not getting it, but whatever. All right. So that was our Thursday night movie uh, discussion on Free Fire. Uh, we'll take a short break and be back for our super secret segment. Oh, don't stop Adam. listening. We have something really cool in the next segment. So I can let the cat out of the bag. Not that any of you were really wondering, but next week I'm on a plane and I'm going to the very first ever Overlook Film Fest. Woo! All right. In name. In name. This is the former Stanley Film Fest. So so give us a little background, Adam. What is the Overlook Film Fest? It is a horror movie festival. And this year it's taking place at the Timberline Lodge in on Mount Hood in Oregon and that's where they film the exteriors for The Shining. Nice. So this place has a very nice storied history with horror movies. There's going to be 4 days of movies and 20 to 25 new films, I think, features and then there's a great shorts program too. I know you have probably looked at the schedule already. My schedule's made. That, that that's I I knew it was. How many movies are you going to get to see in those four days? If it pans out and I can physically do it, 15. Oh 15 new horror word. movies. Well, that's not bad. That's no. not bad for four days. No. Yeah. That's just a little over three a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. And I, it would be more, but I've seen some of these. There's three that I've seen <laughs> from Fantastic Fest. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Bad Batch and The Untamed, and there's one other one. Well, then your schedule's light, friends. Yes. You have a lot of time. I do. Uh, the first day is going to be the hardest because I have a 6 a.m. flight out of here. The festival doesn't start till 8 that night. Oh, my word. The one I, I'm excited to see is Prey at midnight. It's a New Zealand movie about a giant tiger on the loose that's sort of a comedy. All right. And midnight there is going to be 3 a.m. my time. Nice. So by the time that's done, it's going to be 5 a.m. <laughs> nice. It's a full day. 
That's I a full 24 hours of go. I would say so. so will, you, will you have any time to, <clears throat> excuse me, will you have any time to crash before the festival starts or? I mean, you could get there pretty early, right? Yeah. The movie doesn't start till eight. So, I mean, yeah. we're, at, we're at the hotel probably I'd around say two or crash, three. man. Take get, a nap. Take a nap. I'm yes. going to pop some five-hour energy, too. Now, now I had, ex- explain to us what it takes to actually get to Mount Hood. <laughs> yes. Explain to our this, listening audience the journey, what is required before you can arrive at this film festival. This, this, this will show the dedication that Adam has to horror films. This is an ordeal to get there. You fly into Portland, and you have to rent a car. You can get a car service, but it's not cheap. It's 240 250 each way. Oh, yeah. So let's go about the cost of the flight out there. Um, it's only 60 miles away. It takes about 90 minutes to get there. They're still having snow at this time of year. Nice. When you get into the national park and you have to carry tire chains with you. You don't necessarily have to put them on, but if the weather's bad, you might. So the locals probably laughed at all the tourists for having to deal with this, but it's going to be a pain. I was on TripAdvisor seeing what people do. And and you said the state cops and the park rangers can randomly stop and write you a ticket. They can checkpoints. Yeah, if you do not have <clears throat> chains in your vehicle. Yeah, so right now they're at condition one. Why does the rental company rent you a vehicle without chains in the trunk? You're That's, not even allowed to put chains the on The rental companies, rental I'm told, they'll tell you you can't chain up their vehicle. Because if you don't know what you're doing... And you throw a chain at 30 miles an hour, you could kill someone, you could blow out your engine. I mean, a lot of bad stuff could happen. But um, they don't give you the chains because you're not supposed to leave Portland. You don't need the chains if you're just staying in Portland. But going into the national parks and up the mountain, it's a requirement. So if you get hit a checkpoint or if you get pulled over and you don't have the chains, they give you a ticket and supposedly turn you back around the way you came. That would really suck to travel all that far. (laughs) So... We're going to get in there. We're in an SUV. We're going to go buy the chains and probably return Catch a nap. Catch a nap. Get something good to eat and ready to just get after it at 8 o'clock, right? Yeah. So what's on the agenda? So what? So what? Uh, so many questions here. Who are some of the artists that are going to be there that you're maybe looking forward to in some of the movies you're in, you're in, in anticipation of seeing? So I don't know that a lot of talent is going to be there. I mean, it's a hard location to get to. There's no joke about that. Um, some of the directors are going to be there. I'm excited for the opening night movie. They just announced it's going to be Stephanie. Yep, Jason Bloom. I'm I'm on the website okay. here. We don't know anything about this movie. It's it's the newest movie from Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse, if you don't know, made all their money from Paranormal Activity, and then they've been buying some of the best of the genre. They put out Split, and they put out Get Out this year. So they go after the high end horror. That yeah, and they're getting good box office returns too. But Stephanie's a brand new movie, and it doesn't even have a trailer or release date yet. So I don't know how early we're seeing this. It could be a fall release. Awesome. I'm looking here. The next movie on Thursday night is Lake Bottom, B-O-D-O-M, or Bodom. It's a foreign movie that they're comparing to Cabin in the Woods. Okay. It's a slasher. Um, it's based on a real crime that happened to a bunch of counselors in some Scandinavian country. And some teens go to reenact it. And all of a sudden there's something else going on with government agents in yellow suits and it takes a weird turn, so I'm kind of curious to check that one out. Nice. My secret favorite, Hope, might be The Bar. What is The Bar? It's from the maker of The Last Circus. hey And I, I love The Last Circus. <laughs> so did I. Roger has not seen The Last Circus? I have not. Alex de Iglesias made that movie. And The Bar is about a bunch of strangers trapped in a bar with a sniper shooting at them. And a lot of weird stuff happens. 
Fair enough. So it's just, <clears throat> it looks like a better version of maybe the Belko experiment where they're making weapons and they don't know why they're pinned down and the police aren't helping them. So I'm going down this list of visiting artists from their website. Roger Corman's going to be there? They're giving him an award, yeah. That's freaking awesome, dude. Are I you would, a Corman fan? I would love to meet him. Like 70s B-roll, 60s, know, 70s B-roll Hollywood is like, oh, I would give anything to meet this guy, man. That is so cool that well, he's going to be there. Well, here's the funny thing is I was kind of nothing against Corman. No, I'm telling you, if, if, if you want to do six degrees of separation, there's not a person in Hollywood that is not connected to Roger Corman in some way. Yeah. I appreciate Corman. I don't love Corman. Uh, no, his movies, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. Yes. So they were getting some older names in horror, and I, I was just hoping it'd be someone else the year that I went. Because I don't know that I'm going to go see his award presentation and speech. But if it had been John Carpenter, um, you know, any other names I can think of, I, I might choose them over Corman. But and the guy's got an amazing career. He's going to be a name forever. It just, he's not my thing. I mean, sure. Oh, yeah. I, 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 his movies are what they are, and his influence is just everybody. If you're like, I don't know, under 50 and working in Hollywood, you have been in something Roger Corman has produced at some point in your life. Absolutely. Who else? What other stuff are you looking forward to? Uh, there's a movie that's playing on Sunday called Capture. It's hard to find any information about this movie online. It's from Hong Kong. And the weird twist of this movie is it's sort of a from what I gather, paranormal activity style movie. But the audience, the real audience is an app on their phone and they're all controlling the scares in the movie. So it's sort of a choose your own adventure audience vote. I think some audience members get random control of things where they could spring a cupboard or try to scare the actress or something that involves in the scene. So it's a very audience participation heavy movie. And that's one of those experiences you can only get at a festival. You can't do that at home. The secret screening movie at the end we don't know what it's going to be. It's going to stay a secret until you're in your seat and the title comes on the screen. Wow. What do you cool. think it's going to be? It comes at night. I hope you're right. Yeah. I'm, I really want to see this movie and I, I have a gut feeling that's what it is. So you can see it now instead of when it comes out. Yeah. First audience. <laughs> it's going to be a world premiere. Stephanie's a world premiere. Um, at first I thought they might do something with Stephen King being a secret screening because it's at the Shining Hotel, but... I don't see us getting Dark Tower or It. I would love if it was It. Oh, that would be cool. But I don't think that's in the then cards. Then we wouldn't have to see that in the fall when it comes out. Unless <laughs> there's other votes. I'd go see It again if it's any good. I, I would totally go vote for It. Well, that trailer we saw tonight, I literally shed shut my eyes. At I know. I, I looked over. Roger did shut his eyes during It Comes I at Night. I sh- when, they started, when they started doing the slow crawl into the red door, eyes were off. I Who opened not, the I, door? It was open when we got here. Was it open? Did they show what was behind it? Did, no. Oh. no. You can't show what's behind that door in the trailer. Oh, God. Oh, it's so scary. I don't want to see that movie. <laughs> I, I want to I sell my house, go build a house, and literally upstairs make it nothing but a hallway with a red door at the end just for Roger. He, uh, I will never visit. Hey, go see if that door's locked <laughs> up hey, there. Hey, Roger, could you run upstairs no. real quick? My leg's hurting. And he walks up, and I in? lock the door behind him, and it's just him in the hallway with the red door at the end. <laughs> and a camera up above, right? Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah see me fall, sh- the shaky man fall to his knees, soil himself, and be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
when your kids are old enough to watch horror movies, Roger, I want them to come over to my house so they can watch horror movies. They're welcome to. <laughs> All right. Because I would totally watch horror movies with your kids. Uh, you know. I, you know, and I say that. There are certain horror movies I like. It, what whatever's behind that red door, I mean, not like at all. That's not. We should point out too with the movies they had a giant cardboard standee for this movie right by our theater with the red door and a flickering flashlight on the ground. Yeah, yeah. they did. They did. It was a pretty nice stand up. Yeah. yeah. What else, man? Uh, Lady Macbeth that did really well at Toronto. Um, it's not really horror as much as a thriller, I would say, and it's not the Shakespearean Lady Macbeth. It's another Lady Macbeth who may or may not have killed her husband, and the family's closing in on that she did it. So it's Shakespeare with a twist? With a twist. <laughs> with a twist. And Shyamalan did not direct it. <laughs> what? What else? Uh, let's see. The Killing Ground. It's sort of a survival in the woods story along Wolf Creek, but it's told along different time periods. So you're never quite sure if you're seeing this couple during this time period or this time period or the people hunting them or they ahead of them, behind them. It sort of builds tension from this multiple narrative of you're not quite sure when this is happening in that day. So Killing Ground was really popular in Toronto and South by Southwest, I think. So I'm eager to check that one out. But cool. I'll be back in two weeks. I will not be here next week. We may not be here next week because Roger is out as well. Yeah. So we may I- have a filler episode. We'll have to see. I have something, I have a secret project in the works that we might still, we may have an episode next week. I just don't know. It's to be determined. So in two weeks, I'll be back. And And I'll have my take on all these movies. Yes. And and we're seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. That'll be a big episode. Three hour show. Come on, let's (laughs) do it. (laughs) What we need you to do is, is take a digital voice recorder out to this festival. And as soon as you get out of every movie, record like five minutes on every movie that you see. There's no time. I mean, they're, they got the movie stacked. And right. You probably have five minutes from the time credits start to the time the next movie starts. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But those five minutes are spent in line for the bathroom. Everyone's on the same time schedule. Yeah. Then you Be talking while you're in line the with the bath. Yeah, at the urinal. <laughs> well, I was, just about, like to, that weird I was just about to volunteer my digital recorder. <laughs> Now it's off the table. Now it's off the table. Oh, you don't want feces on it? I got news for you, Roger. Yes, it's already on there. It's already on there. <laughs> oh. Do you keep it inside your house? Yes. Yeah. It's, is it on planet Earth? <laughs> is it on planet Earth? It probably has poop on it. And lead. Lead and poop. Awesome. What I'll do, though, if you watch on our Twitter account, I'll post some updates and some quick thoughts on movies. Yeah, and so plus with be, this being a brand new kind of ish festival, it's hard to get the lay of the land if you don't even have time to do recordings. And oh that yeah, kind of, the schedule's know. pretty tight through the yeah. day. These movies are all about ninety minutes, and they're they're spacing them ninety minutes apart, so it's quick entry and quick exit. Okay, that means it'll be over. I mean, if you're only seeing like three a day, ninety minutes, mm-hmm. out, that's only like four and a half hours. Yeah, and there's times, like I said, there's time periods when I've seen the movies, so I have a couple hours free every now and then. Nice. Well, man, I hope you have safe travels. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll see you before you go, but yeah. that's just because. But uh, I'm I'm so pumped. I would I know when you were talking about this, I was on the fence, and then you know I have a wife and kids. 
So it's hard to vanish for four days. It's hard to vanish for four days uh, yep. when you're already taking, you know, one night out of the week to do this. And and I travel a good bit for work, so yeah, it's hard for me to get away. Well, someday we'll have to talk about you two checking out a portion of Fantastic Fest because you can do a first half or second half, and that's that's by far the best fest. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so that wraps it up. I'll be excited to touch base with you guys next week about what I saw. All right. Awesome. When we come back, we're going to get into homework, movie homework. You're listening to The Film Coterie. As always, we come back for our movie homework assignments, Yay! where we review our, our latest assignments and hand out new ones. I love movie homework. It's my favorite segment. It's a good way to fill in our gaps. I, yeah. I feel like I'm developing some stuff. Like, you you know, you give me a lot of older movies I haven't seen, so and I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to watch them, so it's kind of cool that they're coming into me this way. Yep, absolutely. So, Roger, I'm going to start with you this week, because I had your assignment, and watching Dracula for our decade doer put me in a gothic mood. So I gave you the gothic romance of Crimson Peak. Yeah. So Guillermo del Toro and... uh, GDT. GDT for short. And uh, this is a fantasy horror, I would guess, you know, that kind of genre. And, um, well, I'll say this. I liked it. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I was very surprised to find what I call a good old-fashioned ghost story done as recently as 2015 um and i liked the story a lot i liked that it was i liked the setting i i liked the um uh uh i liked the the characters and the interaction and uh no i thought it was it was cool you know the subtle you know swoon win the girl and you know, and then you sweep her off to the castle and, and now things in that castle, when, when they go over across the pond and, and they're at this castle built on a, well, so many things I could say about this movie. So the castle is just your, imagine your gothic, scary, eerie castle on steroids. That's this house that sits on top of this red hill. And then they use this gooey red clay that seeps up through the floor. And so it's got that blood metaphor everywhere. You know, it's like blood and, is seeping in everywhere in this house. It's and called, here's what I love about this movie in particular is this is Guillermo kind of playing around with the Edgar Allan Poe style story. Right. Poe in his stories always used a home as a metaphor for families, rotting family, rotting home. Yep. This is a house built on blood. Yeah, exactly. Red soil. So there's yeah. a visual symmetry with that. The, ha- yeah. the 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 family falling apart and the blood. And I just like the story, the premise. You know, here's a girl who she has premonitions. She can see people in the afterlife. She sees ghosts. It shows her in her childhood and she sees a ghost and and she has tragedy in her life, but she wants to write. She wants to be a writer when women can't write and you know, and so she's writing this ghost story, this this love story, this, and it's kind of a parallel to what's going on in the movie as well. And, you know, and it's in, and so she is, 
seduced into falling in love with this guy that's going to basically... The young count. Yeah, the young count, the, the baronet or something is what they called him. And, uh, and he's going to basically... Bring her over to, uh, is it England or or somewhere, where, over the pond, wherever they're at, over there. And he's going to kill her and take all her, her inheritance. And he's done this a number of times. He's done this four or five other times. And he has this really weird, eerie sister. Jessica Chastain. Who is just way too chummy, comfortable with her brother, you know. And so it's got this kind of weird dynamic to it and stuff. And so I... Um, and you know, a couple little twists at the end that I thought were kind of cool. And so I enjoyed it. It wasn't super scary. It wasn't like freak me out scary, you know, because I knew right from the beginning, the ghosts were trying to tell her something. It's, it just kind of clicked with me. Right. She's got the gift. Yeah, she so. has. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so the ghosts were not scary to me cause I knew they were actually trying to communicate to her. And so I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the movie very much. Yeah. Absolutely. You, one of the things I really liked about this was the turn that Hiddleston does in this movie, where he's not who you think he is. Exactly. I mean, he he falls for the girl. Yeah. You know, he's and he's done this three or four times, and is supposedly this cold-hearted person, but he actually he falls in love with her. You know, so yeah, and ends up ends up sacrificing himself for her. You know, down the road, and so and the whole metaphor, the way the sister dies, and she ends up at the piano in her ghost form. I just loved it. Just and the colors of the ghosts, people debate because there's red ghosts and black ghosts. Uh, now, see, I didn't pick up on that. I, that's an interesting point. But I mean, I, now that you say that, I see that this movie is definitely worth multiple watches because when Guillermo does a movie, there's so much production design. I've seen him talk a few times. He was actually at Fantastic Fest with this movie, and he did a Q and A after. And you, you've heard the term eye candy for a movie that looks good. Guillermo says he doesn't do eye candy. He does eye protein, that these are steaks on the screen for what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much visual um, dichotomy in this movie, like the moths and the butterflies. Yep. The pure snow and the red ground. Yep. He's playing a lot with stark contrast, and the yep. characters are more muddied than what's around him. Yep. The beautiful house, but decaying. Yep. Beautiful house, yet... The, the blood is seeping up. The foundation, they build it on, is seeping up through, and the ceiling is collapsing in on top of them, and it's snowing and rain. Yeah, it's just, it was just great. I just really, it's just great filmmaking. You know, GDT just, in my opinion, hit, 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 a, hit a hard shot here. He, he did it right. And audiences weren't ready for this. The trailers made it horror, and this is a genre no one touches anymore. This is gothic romance. Yep. And he delivered. It's, it's one of the better ones. I'm, and thank you for recommending it. I, I you, You've been on a hot streak here with me, Adam. Give me some good movies. One thing that's funny, now that you've seen the movie, if you watch it again, there's a scene between Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston, and she does something to him. Right. And they, Guillermo planned it so that Hiddleston didn't know it was coming. He gave him a very long speech that he rehearsed all day, and he was supposed to give it, and he was delivering it in the, you know, the actual scene while they were filming. Yeah. And yet Guillermo told Jessica Chastain, whenever you want, just do it to him. So the surprise look on his face it's is a real legit. surprise. That was one take. They got it. <laughs> That's great. And I like that Guillermo went that route with the actors. Because, like I said, Hiddleston was prepared to give a whole speech, and he gets interrupted. And that there's an honest-to-God look of surprise on his face yeah. because he didn't know Jessica's Chastain was going to do it to him. That's great. And, you know, you, you had mentioned how you watched Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, before, and that kind of got you in the mood to recommend yep. this. So I went back and started watching Dracula, and man, that's kind of it's dated a little bit. I, yes. I, I, I was like, oh, I remember this being much more. You use the word epic. 
epic and much more godfathery and much more, you know, oh, sweeping. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cheesy and, and dated in some areas, you know. So, yeah. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Adam. Sure. Uh, my movie's up next. Matt gave me Cashback. Yes. This is a... This one's hard to put in a genre. Yeah. I actually, I went to look to see what they said. You know what they described this as? A romantic comedy? Drama. A romantic comedy drama. That, so, they're just, that's a buckshot explanation of that this is. fits and everything. And it's hard to explain the movie. It, it doesn't fit in any typical genre. No. Um, it's about a young art student. Um, he goes through a bad breakup. And he develops a power to stop time. Yes. And he uses it for adolescent boy purposes at first. <laughs> yes. He goes through a grocery store and he removes a lot of women's tops and walks around and draws everybody. Um, but then he falls in love with another girl. And that's pretty much the movie. There's, there's not, I mean, yeah, it, there's not a lot of extra stuff going on. That's yeah. And that's, it. I mean, it's, it, I watched it and I, I just wondered what makes someone put a movie together like this because. I don't know if they were trying to fill time. There's a whole soccer subplot that's just really pointless. Well, you know, I'd it started out as that. a short. Right. Right. And then it got made into a feature, but it's only 108 minutes. It's Right. So, I mean, it just feels like they had to yeah. think of stuff to stretch it. Yeah. No, you're right. And they don't do anything with the stopping time dynamic that really doesn't play in the movie. The movie's the same if you take it out. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. So Except for the fact that... I don't know. I mean, it kind of goes towards like obsession or whatever that when you're around someone, you know, if you truly love them, whatever time may slow down. I mean, there's kind of that, but not, it, I don't know. It, it, I watched it. Um, like I said last week, I had always seen it on Netflix when it was up. Was it still up on Netflix? Do you have no. to rent it? Oh, sorry, man. No, it's all right. I mean, but uh, I eventually watch it, like I said, because I didn't want to have to explain the cover art, you know, and recently watched because my parents also still have it. And yes, I'm older, but I just don't want to deal with my mom going, <laughs> why are you watching a movie with a na- girl topless on the on the cover? Yeah, it is a topless girl on the cover and the title of the movie conveniently. Yeah. Hides everything, hides everything, but still, she's topless. And there is a lot of nudity in this movie. There is. I mean, it's gratuitous, and I mean, I get it that they're trying to explain the male gaze a little bit and who he is as a character, and you know, he, he saw a sexy. And it was almost like they were trying to go for. He loves art and the the beauty yeah, the, and draw, and you know, yeah, the female body is a beautiful. I don't thing. know if he right. really pulled it off because it was no. a little more leering than. Well, and here's the thing, <laughs> they took it a step too far because. And they show them as little kids seeing a, a beautiful Swedish border or whatever, staying at their house, and she walked through the house naked up to her room, and he was just a little kid, he saw it, and that stuck in his mind. And then they show him an art class, drawing nude figures, and that's fine. And again, the grocery store, what he does is he does remove women's tops, but he draws them. So there's an art angle. But then there's a whole end scene with tons of strippers and everything else. It just throws in a bunch, so that kind of throws the whole... Well, there's also, after that Swedish scene, he also goes to the adult. Yeah. And then... He pays a neighborhood girl money to show him her business, if you will. Right, and this is a romantic comedy about needing a new girl. They they throw a lot of baggage in because yeah, they're showing you flashbacks to his childhood. It's fairly lengthy back flat yeah back. But he flashes. had a lot of baggage. He did. I mean, 
part of this, and, and I have not seen it in years, but I, I had this movie had a real artsy feel to it to me when I saw it. Um, and I, I get it. It was a little gratuitous. It was, No, not a little. It was gratuitous. But this kid was had some baggage. And if, he, if you're that age and you had the power to stop time completely and you're bent like he is, that's kind of what he's going to do, good and maybe some not so good, you know? No, it was honest. I think at least a little bit, but a little yeah. over. The, I I can't remember the details of the end of it going over the top, and you know, it's been a while since I've seen this, right? But is there a point in the film where he freezes time and he sees someone else that can move within that time? Yeah, is yes. that ever explained? No. Yeah, see, that <laughs> um, to me is if you're going to extend this movie, yeah. that's a direction you need to go. Like, what is is it? You know, a like soul with this same upset. I mean, what what is that? And that yeah. was never that. I think was a huge missed opportunity for the film itself. Yeah, and that's where it just kind of misfires on a couple angles because it's not really clear what they're trying to do. And you, you see it as a romantic comedy that he's trying to get with this new girl, and they try to show you this growth. He doesn't really have any character growth. He's the same guy he ends up with. Most of the characters are unlikable in the movie, which is fine, but it just felt like it was sort of a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. The director did a couple cool tricks with the time stopping and, and stuff, but he didn't really have a narrative to figure it out. No, it, it looks like when he expanded it, he wanted to make it heady and, and have it be deep. And it just failed to do that. But yeah. And that's the thing too. It's always a waste when you have a cool premise in a movie, you know, stopping time and you don't really do anything with it. I mean, that's, but again, Adam, these are the kind of movies you're going to (laughs) get. I know because you've seen everything. No, no, I'm still still glad I saw it. Uh, it just, it was a miss. Um, no, I, I agree. And I, like I said, it's a good premise and I wish he had done something differently with it, but it is what it is. He he just kind of struggled to find the story and threw it up on screen. What he had. All right, so I guess that means it's me now. Yeah, we're down to you. So Roger oh, yeah. gave me The Man from Laramie. Yeah. A Western from 1955, directed by Anthony Mann, starring James Stewart. James Maitland Stewart. The fact that you know his Born in name. Indiana, Pennsylvania in 1908. Stock much? <laughs> Gosh. Okay, I'm a fan. I have to be... Anyway. This was the fifth and final film that Mann and Stewart did together. Yep. They had done five Westerns. This is also one of the first Westerns to be filmed in Cinescope to capture the vastness of the Western scenery. <laughs> and it was also shot in Technicolor. What does that look Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, because the film is pretty. The yeah. film looks pretty. You, you, it captures the vastness. Right, so oh, you yeah. have the nice outdoor scenes while they're traveling. Sure, um, to Coronado, I think yeah. is the city, uh-huh. the town, yeah, the city, not the city. No, it's a town. It's a town. Yeah, uh, and uh, the the way it was shot, I especially like the salt flat scenes. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, you got that. I mean, it's flat, and you you picked up on the fact that you know, I bet you if I was there, this is so flat, I. And desolate, I could see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> yeah, it's like a point. wasteland or something. Yeah. It's just out, nothing. Yeah. So here's a rundown of the plot. Uh, Jimmy Stewart plays Will Lockhart. Yes. Uh, he is 
bringing supplies in to the local mercantile in Coronado. Yeah. Uh, but he may have an ulterior motive, which is revealed right out of the gate. Yeah, it's not like so it's a secret. He had a brother that was in the cavalry, and they were ambushed by Apaches, and they died. On the way into town, he stops where they were ambushed. There was a little grave. So he gets into town, and he's going to stick around because he wants to find out who's selling guns to the Apaches. Right away, you can tell there's something weird going on. He finds one of these repeating rifles. He asks the store clerk about it, who is Native American, and it gets weird. Yeah. So you're like, someone in this town's up to some shady business. So in true entrepreneurial fashion, he didn't want to ride back to Laramie with an empty wagon, so he wants to take something back, so he goes out to the Salt Flats. And that is where he encounters the cattle baron's son, Dave Wagaman. Oh, yes. Dave Wagaman proceeds to kick him off his land, burn his wagons, and shoot all but like three of his mules. Yep. Drags him through the coals the whole night. Yeah, yards. drags him through a campfire the whole deal. Um, he finally, and but this does not deter our Mr. Lockhart. <laughs> no, sir. And he sticks around. So eventually you find out who was selling guns to the Apaches. There's the... And everything works out. Yeah. Now, in a normal Western, there'd be a love interest. And there kind of is, but there yeah, kind of isn't. it's kind of hinted at, but it doesn't really... Well, because it gets weird, because you find out that the 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 lady that like invites him in for tea and does this, all this stuff is actually engaged yes. to... His, the, ca- his counterpart. The foreman. The foreman on the, on the of, bad side. Yeah, yes. the foreman of the bad cattle baron. Yes. Now, essentially, essentially, Jimmy Stewart doesn't kill him, but essentially he kills him. And he tells his fiance, and it's like, I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, it gets weirder. Like, <laughs> next time you're in Laramie, let's go on a date. I just killed your man. <laughs> I don't. That, that, caught, that ending caught me as just strange. Yeah. I mean, I would rather she came up and like beat on him, and and yeah. Jimmy Stewart's like, killed my killed my bro, done, <laughs> peace out, woman. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I find it, um. I mean, there's just a, a huge cultural difference between then and now. Oh yeah. Right, because essentially, Jimmy Stewart does nothing but sexually harass this woman from the time he meets her till the time they're done, right? Because she's engaged, and he's just like, you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Back in, back, back in yeah. those days, he, they would just say he was a flirt and a, um, yeah, he was a flirt and kind of, you know, like a pretty lady going to give her a compliment. Yeah. In, in today's world, that's grounds for a restraining order of some sort, <laughs> and which is a shame because he was being genuine and nice. Yeah. Right? Um, overall, I like the movie. I mean, I like Westerns. I like the movie. I like Stewart's character in this. Cause you come to find out he was a captain in the Calvary, you know, yeah. at the end of the movie, he's like, just come to Laramie, ask anyone for captain Lockhart. They'll be able to direct you to where I am. Um, he gets in a fight in this movie. It's the first time I've ever seen Jimmy Stewart in like a, an actual fight. Yeah. It's kind of nice to see. Yeah. But it's here's the problem. 
still doesn't work for me to see Jimmy Stewart in like the hero role and getting in fights and because I always I always see him more bookish than brutish. Oh, interesting. Okay, right because you know the first time I ever saw Jimmy Stewart was probably in what It's a Wonderful Life. Probably so, yeah. So that's my memory of. And here's this frail man struggling with who he is in the world. And, you know, of course, then being shown what it would be like if he wasn't there. But, you know, just not weak, but sure, more bookish. Yeah. And here he is trying to play essentially an action movie star. And it just doesn't mesh with how I've always seen Jimmy Stewart. Sure. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. But... That being said, I mean he does a good job. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's your um, it is it is your run of the mill western for that period. It's not. Yeah. And and, and I think it's. Well, see, I, I think th- it's. I, th- I think it's above average because Anthony Mann pushed the limits for westerns. You know. Um, no, I would say you're right. I mean, I've seen a number of westerns from this era. You know, I hadn't seen this one, and I haven't seen any Jimmy Stewart ones, yeah. but. Like the fact that he doesn't get the girl per se at the end and he may not go about everything correctly. I like like that. That doesn't strike me as typical of the Westerns of the fifties. Sure. Cause normally yeah. your Western fifties are your, your gut- good guy is a good guy. Your bad guy is a bad guy and yeah. neither of them shall have anything in common. Yeah. Unless the good guy had a bad pass and he's repented from it. And now he's just all good. Yeah. And Jimmy Stewart's a little bit of vengeful in this. Well, well, one of the things that... I mean, he's come to town to kill a man. Yeah, I think that would surprise you is that a lot of your um, inspirations in the late 50s, 60s, 70s westerns come from a lot of these characters. I could throw you a whole list of... If you saw the bar scene in Winchester 73 you'd have a whole different appreciation for the violent capability of Jimmy Stewart. If you saw him in the naked spur when he has nothing to lose and everything's been ripped away from him and the, the manicness in his eyes, you might have a little, you know, in other words, see, I, I have a whole body of Stewart films that I, and so if, if your only impression of Stewart was it's a wonderful life, or maybe Mr. Smith goes to Washington where he's the genteel, right. super nice guy, just there to make sure everybody comes through. Um, yeah, then I... <laughs> that's why I wanted to throw one of these movies at you to say, no, there's... there's And, and most, most people will say, if you want the look of a cowboy, no other actor in Hollywood actually looked like an authentic cowboy more than Jimmy Stewart. Because if you would have went back in time... They were all lanky, lean. Uh, it, John Wayne was not the prototypical what a cowboy really looked like. Oh no, no, no! You and, know they were. I'm, all- I've never been a fan of John. And no, you're right. When I was watching him in the movie, he looked like a cowboy. Yeah. Right, because you have to think malnutrition. Yeah, super thin, kind of, and work hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, Jimmy Stewart's probably proper weight. Now in America, we're all kind of fat. <laughs> So, I mean, he's properly sized. Yeah. John Wayne was a huge man. Yeah. Um, and they probably didn't have enough food to for him to maintain his kind of weight. Uh, it's just fact. I mean, it is. Yeah. Right? Especially there. I mean, because you look around, it's like there's nothing. Yeah. That's 
you know, like, oh, we have pastures. Well, I didn't, I don't even know if I saw a blade of grass in that entire movie. <laughs> I don't know how they have so many steers to run. I'm telling you, man. But I liked it. Sure. Um, it's it just, you know, my age. It's a different the era. Grew, it's, well, it's a different era, but it's, it's always hard to, you know, it's just hard seeing Jimmy Stewart in that role when you're right. My familiarity it is yeah. all these movies. Uh, one thing that was an issue with me, and I guess this is just a different era of movie making, um, is the score of the movie. Okay. I'm just not a fan. Sometimes I think the music got in the way. It, it didn't seem that the music matched the mood that the director was trying to capture. Right. And they were more or less trying to write music that, because at this time movie music still sold. Yeah. Like actually sold records. And right. it looks like they were going more for that than to capture the mood of a movie. Sure. Yeah. But, um, so and, and that that's, was kind of really, a, that's really a product of a lot of the Westerns of that time. They wrote the, they knew they were going to sell huge vinyl, these huge scores, you know, they write these big scores brought almost like Broadway production value, orchestral scores. And it doesn't always fit what's going on with the uh, movie. Yeah. And that, I, I would totally agree with that. That hurt me. That hurt a couple of times. Cause yeah. there's a nice scene, right? And it, and I think the reason I pay attention is because it's right in the beginning when he's coming into town at Coronado and he stops where his brother was killed. Right. And they do a nice take off of like the we're, we're, cavalry yes. revelry song. But it's way too upbeat in the yeah. beginning. And it's and, like, and, and, why are you trying to make me cheery? He's at a grave. This should be somber music. And Yeah, absolutely. And this is where like some of the Clint Eastwood movies and later movies really get it. Yes. They get, they learn from those. It's the evolution of the Western. No, know? it is. Absolutely. If you saw... Um, the the uh, the classic black and white uh, like Destry rides again or the stagecoach for example with John Wayne's first break I've seen stagecoach yeah um, if you compared stagecoach to the man from Laramie or or uh, one of these type you would say oh wow they made a huge shift forward from what they were doing in the 30s with westerns this 50 late 50s and 60s is that same leap forward they got the subtlety well the italian influence with the spaghetti westerns made a huge difference in you can really use music to really um tell the story of what's going on as well too yeah i mean essentially once westerns started putting things in like the ecstasy of gold it was on at that point yeah absolutely. and for those of you listening that do not know what the ecstasy of gold is you do you just don't know that's what it's called <laughs> You know that song. Yep. Everyone knows that song. This was the conversation we were having earlier about the sound effect of the doors in the game Doom. Yep. Matt didn't know it because he hasn't played it. Yeah, I never played Doom. Uh, Nicole was with us tonight, and even she knew that noise. As soon as we brought up, it just yeah. plays in your head. Yeah, yeah. but Can't Ecstasy be. of Gold is, if you hear yeah, it, cool. you'll know it. But overall, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was a good movie. It's kind of no, eye-opening. No, I, I love I love the fight scene with Jimmy Stewart because he sucker punches the dude. Oh, totally. He just walks up and decks him, lays him out, <laughs> and then jumps on top and starts beating uh, Dickens talking, out you're of You're talking him. about in the cattle. In the cattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, it's a nice extended fight. I mean, yeah. and I'm assuming that was really Stewart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fighting in a yeah. bunch of like cat, like yeah. steers. Yeah. Him and Same, the, when he got drugged through the coals, it's obvious it's him. Because yeah. when the thing stopped, he looks up and that's his face there, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, so, you know, 
move over Tom Cruise. Jimmy Stewart was doing his own stunts back in the 50s. That's right, man. Oh, man. Now, did you see it on like a high-definition screen kind of Yes. Thing? So how did it upscale? I was curious about that. Uh, it was good. I think what I rented was a 2K upscale. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it, it looked fine. Okay. Well, yeah. hold on. Let me take that back. I watched it two ways. So first half of the movie, I watched, I'm going to say this, Roger, don't get mad at me. <laughs> I watched on my phone. Oh. What? what? I may have been driving. But I still caught, but right. I still caught on the fact that that's fine, you know. But that's when it annoyed me with the music and whatever. As soon as I made it home, threw it up on the big screen. Uh, my wife and kid hadn't made it home yet and finished it out on yeah. the sixty-one inch. At oh, home. cool. Okay. So and it was two K. It looked and like I said, it looked good. Like the movie looked good. The colors. Sometimes I have an issue with like Technicolor. But this was all right because it's Western. Everything's just a shade of brown. Yes. And you're all fine. Sepia tonish, brownish. Yeah. Everywhere. It's yeah. like, hi, sepia. Here we are. Cool. But uh, no, I, I liked it. Um, there's a jail scene uh, that I thought the lighting was kind of weird. And they tried to over dram- dramatize. That's not even a word. But dramatize. Yeah. Dramatize Jimmy Stewart's eyes. And it was just like, you know, that. That typical like shadow line above and below the eyes, and I'm yep. just like Ugh. film noir in a western. <laughs> film noir in a western, <laughs> where sun is completely illuminating this entire jail cell. <laughs> yep, absolutely. No, but I, I liked it, enjoyed it. So cool. excellent. All right, time for new assignments. Matt, you went last, so you get to give Roger <sighs> a movie. To be honest, I haven't thought about this. <laughs> so. I think I'm I, I think I'm gonna go uber weird on him. Good. How weird should I go? I have I'm between these two. I'm gonna write him down for you, Adam. We are oh boy. having a private moment of consultation here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, hold on. I, I'm I'm uh, you know I just it is what it is. <laughs> one of them is I mean just this is a great excuse to watch a movie I would never normally watch. <laughs> one of right? them is just completely and utterly going for it, and the other one is kind of. Let's bring him into some weird stuff. <laughs> so those are the two. Number one. Oh, okay. You're just taking the plunge then, right? Yes. All right. Let me pull up this so I can. <laughs> uh, Matt's should... one of the few people that will say a weird movie to me, and it makes me excited because he's actually going to talk about a weird movie. <laughs> You mean not just like the independent film that shows Hail Caesar, up? What a weird movie. Yeah, that's not weird. It's a great movie. <laughs> weird. No, Matt. That's not Matt weird. And I can dive off the end of what's acceptable, and I love the weird movie categories. <laughs> yeah. Me and Adam saw this in a theater with 12 other people or so. Um, oh, boy. It's, one of, it's a theater in the independent. It's a movie room that when you walk in, you actually walk in. And look behind the screen. <laughs> House eight at the Gateway House Film Center. House eight at the Gateway Film Center. If you've ever seen a movie oh, in there, you're doing you, something right. You're doing something right because it was probably at midnight, and you're only in there with crazy people. <clears throat> so, this movie made in 2012. It is categorized as a fantasy drama. How else are you going to categorize it? Yeah, you're going to get to see a toned down version of it. Uh, because for some reason they won't allow the real one in the United States anymore. 
Yep. Oh my gosh. So, Roger, yes. your movie is Holy Motors. Oh, I've heard of this movie. It's yes. great. I've actually heard of this movie. It may have been via through Matt or a podcast I listened I, I, one of my podcasts I listened to. Now, yeah. if you can come back and tell me what this movie was about, I'd like to know. All right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. So I have to give an assignment to Matt. And the funny thing about this podcast is I always come in, I have a clear choice. And I'd say the last 10 episodes I pivoted during the episode and I come up with something <laughs> Pivots. else. Pivots. I took a hard pivot on this one. I was going to give you something else. Then I talked about the overlook. I'm like, I got to do this movie. I'm giving you a, a deep cut here. All right. Good. And what I like about this movie is I often talk about movies that I think their love of the genre really comes through in the horror making. Like it may not be the best looking or the best edited or has sound issues, but there's something infectious about it just because they love the genre so much and it really shines through. Like uh, She Was So Pretty, I saw that last year, loved it. This one's a few years older than that and it is called Deathgasm. Walmart will not sell this movie. Where can I find that? My Have iTunes, I, my iTunes account. Okay. It's safely snuggled in there. I, I, think, I think I've seen it in your iTunes account. Yes. It's a New Zealand <laughs> movie. You know, I'm a big fan of most horror that comes out from Australia yeah. and oh. New Zealand. Anything I've seen from there, I've loved. Because there was the one with the like prom date that went all the kinds of- The loved ones. Yeah, the loved ones. That was great. Yep. Yeah. So this feels a little bit like Todd in the Book of Evil. Ooh, which I liked. Yeah, so it's not that different from it. That's right. We're talking about Canadian television shows. Yes. <laughs> I still have the DVDs in my car. I've driven around with those for probably six years. Anyway, Deathgasm is about a heavy metal band that summons Deathgasm. Gasm. Deathgasm. New Zealand teenagers you know. summon demons and it, may I'm bring about the right end now. of the petite world. Petite mort or whatever. Mort petite. <laughs> Le petite mort. The a small petite death. Mort. A metal band death. that's bringing about the end of the world. Yes. Heck yeah. And it has the the punk rock metal spirit in this movie. Um, You're super lucky I haven't seen it because there have been many a time I've been scrolling through your iTunes account and I look at my wife and go, you want to watch this? She just looks at me and goes, No. <laughs> But I've wanted to watch it numerous times. Well, I'm glad I gave it to you. I mean, this is a deep cut. No one's seen Deathgasm. Um, but their love of the genre sense, they had to fight for like a scholarship to make this movie. So it's been no way a perfect movie. It has all kinds of issues. But I love the spirit behind it. It really comes through. And I just saw this. Walmart will only sell it as heavy metal apocalypse. They're not allowed to sell it as Deathgasm. What is that about? I don't know. That's insane. They'll sell personal lube. Because it They'll sounds, sell KY jelly. Because it sounds way too much like some other gasm. <laughs> right. But they sell KY jelly. But they won't sell a movie called Deathgasm. <laughs> Just makes no sense to I, me. I have no words. So. All right. Anyway, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to have you watch Holy Motors. This is gonna be, let's see what Roger gives me. This is going to be a really good yeah. movie homework next time. So, Adam, I uh, had a conversation with a, a dear friend of mine who I found out and discovered is a classic horror junkie, loves classic horror. So I'm going to assign you a movie that I've not seen, 
But I, but I want to see. So it's both our homework for the week, and I want us to talk about it. It is a mystery thriller. Um, it says that this is the IMDb description. During a stormy night at an old dark mansion, people who claim to see ghosts roaming the halls are later found murdered. And my buddy, uh, he says this is, uh, it's a 1934, so it's classic, classic old horror. Now, he and I, um, we, we both consider the 30s the greatest decade ever for movies. And I would argue that decade against any other decade in movie history, just for me personally. And he says that this is this was originally released as a B movie, not an A movie. This was a movie that came in under the uh, the main was like played before the main features quite often, but it's available to stream. It's on Amazon. It's on YouTube, and it's called The Ghost Walks, 1934. It is directed by Frank Strayer. And uh, the cast is is ins- is insignificant because there's not a single mainstream <laughs> yeah. actor that's in this movie, and it's billed as he calls it his fa- his funniest horror movie from the 30s. My buddy does, so I thought we'd both watch it and see what we thought. If we thought it was a piece of garbage, or we, or was it is it a hidden yeah. little gem we've never heard of? So yeah, I mean my classic horror movie knowledge doesn't go much beyond the Universal Monsters. I love all those movies, but I haven't seen a lot other titles from that years from those years awesome so since we're not getting together next week we'll be doing these in two weeks i gotta tell you i am i think i'm super pumped about uh homework when we get to come back in and talk about this (laughs) i may watch i may because we have two weeks i may watch your movie i'm definitely going to watch holy motors again and yeah, I'm gonna watch Holy Motors again. And, and, yeah. and I may end up watching Deathgasm just for kicks. <laughs> Do it! <laughs> all right, that we got two weeks. Yeah. yeah, that way we can all get involved. We Be- got two whole weeks to watch uh, a couple other movies. So yeah, and, it, and I don't ever turn down a chance to watch Holy Motors. Yeah, and this is, I mean, Deathgasm. I don't. I mean, but it sounds like these are all out there kind of movies yes. and I'm kind of pumped I about it. I mean, this it. is a B. This Kevin, Kevin told a my 1930 buddy. 1930 B movie. My buddy Kevin told me, movie. he said, this is a B. This is, he said, this is, a, it's kind of, it was like cult classic, you know, it's not really a good movie, but it's very funny. He said, so I don't know. We'll see. So I'm excited. All right. Well, that will wrap up this edition of movie homework. All right. And when we come back, we'll wrap it up with coming attractions. You're listening to the film coterie. And we're back, and this is our final final episode, our final segment of the podcast. Um, And this is our coming attractions. What's 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 either right now in the theater streaming? What's something new you can go see, or what's coming up in the weeks to come? On two weeks, we'll be back. We discussed we we're probably not doing an episode next week. We'll put up some filler. In two weeks, we're seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, so excited for there's that. nothing else opening against it so that's pretty much anything yeah it's the only choice to see it, that movie and is that the first week of may yes it's well, do we know what's coming up in may i mean this is where the ball starts rolling right I may mean, what, has a ton of movies it's alien covenant and i think the new pirates 
And and are we going to grade April? Yep. In that episode, the movies we saw yeah. in April. Our first May episode will grade our okay. our April movies, and that's going to be a little tough. April was not great. It was not great. But um, if you're going to the theaters this week, you can check out Colossal. Oh yes, I love that movie. Anne Hathaway. Have you seen it? Yes, I saw it at Fantastic oh, Fest. Great movie. Nice. I recommend that to anyone. And if you got Shutter, because I told you that The Devils was on it. They had something really cool pop up this week called Ghost Watch. It's a, it's a, their uh, their own IP, right? Their own their own show. Is that a, no, is no, no? This is a, a rare, hard to find thing, just oh, like The Devils was. It's called Ghost Watch. Yep. So in 1992, the BBC did an Orson Welles type prank. They had a show, sort of like Dateline, and they were going to do an episode from a haunted house, and they were told everyone it was a live broadcast. They filmed it like a movie, and they had real scares going on, but people watching it on TV. This is 92, so this is before Blair Witch. This is before Paranormal Activity. Right. People thought they were watching a live broadcast of these two little girls that are haunted, because that's the setup, that there's a guy outside talking to the crowd. There's cameras inside. There's two girls that have terrors at night. Their faces get scratched. They, They speak in other voices. And the ghost is called Pipes the Clown. Or no, just Pipes. Pipes the Ghost. They call him Pipes. Because he bangs in the walls. And their mom always tells them it's just the pipes. But the, the girls call the ghost pipes. Um, so as the episode goes on, uh, stuff starts happening in the studio too. And the cool thing is that these were real anchors. And these are real reporters. So it seemed real to people. They were really fooling some people oh in 92. Oh, my word. Their lines got flooded. Everyone was calling in. And they were just getting busy signals at the BBC. Because what the episode does then is start telling people they had fake callers because, again, it was fake live saying stuff was going on in their house, that the ghost was coming into their house through the TV show. And then they're trying to stop it. They realize they've just done this massive seance and they, they put pipes in everyone's homes that had watched. Oh, and my it goodness. built a panic and had a big reaction. So I think it was cool. They did it. Yeah. But. Oh. Well, no, go ahead. Finish. I, was, I knew you were coming close. So I was getting closer to my mic. It became notorious, though. Because a special needs child killed himself the day or day or so after so he could be with Pipes and put it in a suicide note. So the special vanished. Um, I don't know if there were lawsuits or anything else, but Shudder has it. And it was really kind of neat to watch it. Wow. That's cool. I, I saw a thing on TV or on, on another podcast where Shudder is going to start producing their own content yeah. or have a sh- shows and stuff. They already have a show up there now. It's not their own show, but it's a Norwegian, I think, okay. show. Yeah. It's five bucks a month. I've enjoyed it for all the rare cuts and weird stuff they put up. Just, we were wondering about May, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so this is likely our schedule for May. Not going to say that it definitely is, but likely. May 5th, Guardians 2. May 12th. Probably going to have to go see King Arthur. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm May, looking forward May to that. May 19th, Alien Covenant. Yes. Uh, May 25th, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Which is supposed to be good. Yeah. Hold on. But then immediately followed up in the first in June with Wonder Woman. Yep. And then we'll probably have to go see The Mummy. Then, who knows, end out June with Transformers The Last Night. Or Baby Driver. Uh, Baby Driver comes out the week after In that. July, right? I said the last in June. Oh. My bad. June 23rd, Transformers last night. June 28th, because some reason they have it down as a Wednesday, is Baby Driver. It okay. comes out on Wednesday because that's the closest weekend, the 4th of July. 
Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. so they always gotcha. put them out early for the holiday. Cool. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm looking. We made it through April. Thank God. <sighs> and now let's turn the corner. Great titles coming up. I'm excited. So where can they find us, Adam? We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash Film Coterie. We have our own website, thefilmcoterie.com. And we're on Twitter, at Film Coterie. Now, you should watch that this week if you haven't followed yes. us on Twitter or whatever. I'll be tweeting from Overlook. And I'll be retweeting your tweeting. Yes. And I'll, <laughs> I'll post some pictures on Facebook of what the hotel looks like and some other stuff. Whatever I'm allowed to post, um, I'll show up. There's some cool parties and stuff. I'll try to grab some photos. And you are doing the game, right? Uh, the immersive game I'm doing at the low attendance level or participation level, but I am doing it. Awesome. Cool. So they won't be breaking into my room to throw bones on my bed or anything else, but I will be participating. <laughs> that's awesome. As much as I can. All right. Well, that's this week's episode of the Film Coterie, and you guys have a great week. Go to the movies, see a movie, send us an email, shoot a tweet at us, whatever. Let us know what you think of uh, the movie that you saw, and maybe we'll just mention it right on the show. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.